Welcome to Teacher in Sign Podcast. Today I have with me Jacob Esbell and from Disciple of Christ um, channel of YouTube uh, podcast. It's at Disciple of Christ 8906, I believe. I don't know who put those numbers in there, that gosh darn YouTube algorithm. <laughs> there must be 8,906 of you or something out there. There's something. The or multi- that's how many federal agents are assigned to monitor me. It's the multiverse. It's maybe all of the different Jacob Isbells that exist everywhere in other universes. Yes. Um, so <clears throat> probably my first question is, am I pronouncing your name correctly? That's it. Just two syllables. Is Isbell. Simple. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love simple. <laughs> All right. Well, you interviewed me last week on your podcast, so now it's my turn to interview you. Tables have turned. I hope okay. you're ready. <laughs> I'll try not to mess it up. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so first of all, let's just start off. Let me see if this sharing uh, share screen thing works better than it used to. Disciple of Christ. I even see somebody mm-hmm. on there that I know. Look it up there, top left. Oh, man. How did you? You should have stayed away from that guy. I'm telling you right now. I was warned after the fact. It's like, you could have told me before. Yeah. And you've been doing this, it looks like around three years. Looks like. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. So everybody needs to check this out. Uh, this is one of the first podcasts that my wife and I came across when we started thinking about and talking about these, well, really the awakening that's going on, <clears throat> not just LDS, but RLDS. Um. And let me put that down. It's interesting because I was doing a political podcast beforehand. It was popular. It's called the the Dignitary from an undisclosed oh. underground location deep okay. in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. You're okay. listening to the Dignitary. And well, when yeah. I had, <laughs> when I had that first part of my spiritual awakening, one of the first communications was, "You're done with politics." <laughs> no farewell episode or anything. It was just like, "All right." Yeah, that delete button. And I felt like my Heavenly Father was happy with me. And uh, and I had and the interesting thing was I had just very, very recently started the Disciple of Christ channel. So that's become my focus. Okay, And well, you know, I was listening to your very first video on the Disciple of Christ channel the other day. And it's almost like we're missing. There was something that happened before that because there's not really an introduction to yourself or anything like that. Just start (laughs) talking about it's almost like the channel just picks up somewhere in the middle of whatever. (laughs) <laughs> but it was kind of like on my channel it was all audio so it started off as audio and then quickly popped into video i decided to take a shower and turn on the camera yeah and i also discovered your beard was not always as it is today as well no, there's wasn't. also so, a progression there so it, when i when, when i first started dating the uh, lovely lady who's now my wife we got three mm-hmm. kiddos uh i had no beard and long, glorious hair. Oh, oh, my goodness! I used to have hair all the way down to the middle of my back. Yeah, it was yeah. long all the way, even from the front. So all just total hippie. I I have been told that the long hair may act as a spiritual antenna of sorts. I don't know if that's true, hmm. but maybe. Well, I, you know, I was I actually was sort of semi seriously. Uh, thinking of myself as uh taking a Nazarite vow actually okay, at that good. time so yeah I, I used to drink a lot when i was younger and 
I, uh, <clears throat> when I gave my life to the Lord, I was like, well, I'm done being drunk. But I figured the scriptures don't really say that you can't drink alcohol or wine or something. It doesn't say that. It, it does preach against drunkenness, in my mind anyway. So, And, uh, and Jesus was definitely accused of being a wine-bibber, which he yeah, disputed. Yeah. And uh, uh, when, when it comes time for wedding feasts, he knows how to supply the good stuff. He from does. The beginning to the he end. does. Absolutely. That's the kind of verses in the Bible my grandma hated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um Anyway, <laughs> uh, when I when I we got to married, my cousin I used to drink with came up from Ohio in Michigan, and he was he was like, "Let's go out and have a drink after everybody left." You know, we had a really clean bachelor party, and I thought, eh, "Why not?" So we go to the bar. And I'm just going to have one drink. That's w it. Was it more for science? Uh, it was just you know I was going to sip slowly, and we were just going to talk. That was it. Okay. I was not going to get drunk. And I, the bartender said, "What we have." And right there, I heard the voice of the Lord. It shook me to the core. It was like an earthquake and said, you will not drink one single drop of alcohol. Oh, there we go. And so, and I think it's, be, it's, it's because I abused it. That's, that's what I, the feeling I got because I, I knew he knew that I couldn't handle that. So I got to say, anyway. my, my buddy Jesse Watson, when, when he was going through the, the process of uh, hearing the voice of the Lord and, and getting disabused of false traditions, one of the things for him, Spirit tells him, go get a beer. He's like, do I have to? Nobody uh, takes a sip. He's like, is that enough? Is uh -huh. that yeah. And he, and he didn't have to drink the whole thing, but it was just the process of him getting disabused of false traditions. Yeah. Well, you know, in many, many years later, uh, I thought, I feel like having a beer at one time, and I didn't want to get drunk or anything, and, you know, the Holy Spirit was like, it's okay now. But it was like 10 years or so later, mm -hmm. and I had a beer. Anyway, I know that's a, you know, <laughs> not a good Mormon at all if I do that, but nor am I a good RLDS I'm, person. I'm turning this into your bishop. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, um, I need to stop talking so much. I have questions for you. So <laughs> I'll start off with this. If you, if you stump me, I'll send you some cookies. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll start off with this. Tell our listeners, um, where did you come from? I mean, I assume you were born on this planet and from goodly parents or something along those lines. Tell me about... Definitely me. goodly parents. I'll let you know this. My father's a convert to the church and so and and very, very sincere. He was in his 20s. He was in the army going through loneliness didn't get deployed to vietnam thankfully even though that's what he wanted to do mm -hmm. and he met a soldier that had cat stevens playing on a record player over in the barracks when he went to go hear the music he saw that this soldier had what looked to be two bibles on the bed he had already Ooh. read the new testament I, I think a few times yeah and gained his testimony of the savior through that wow okay and the book of mormon rang true for him and and he had his description of hearing the Book of Mormon and hearing the restored gospel, he said, it felt like I was learning things I already knew, but I didn't know from where. Yeah. And so for him, it was a natural transition. And, um, and so for me and my additional four siblings, five of us total, my mom had five of us in seven years. I'm number two out of the five. Four boys, one girl. Oh. Um, I, I raised in the church, uh, saying family prayers and... It wasn't until I was 15, living a loud and rowdy life, I, I was actually involved in low-level, organized crime, mm. and uh, and that was. But that getting caught stealing booze from from a bowling alley, <laughs> it was the catalyst for me to gain a testimony of the Savior. And I remember I was 15. The first time that I specifically remember hearing the voice of the Lord mm -hmm. 
it was pointing out to me how, how the light had come into my life from the point that I made that change. Wow. And I realized I'm going to be held accountable for this. I'm going to make sure that mm-hmm. I stay on the path. And then I've had sacred experiences since then. But, but really, since that time, it was a little bit before I turned 16 years old. Um, my core sense of identity has been being a missionary for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's been burning in my heart since I was a, a young LDS missionary wow. in the Midwest. And um, it, it, was, um, it was almost a year into my mission before I came to the realization, you mean not everybody just feels this fire mm-hmm. always? <laughs> because yeah. I, I love it. I, I, I love the Savior. I've felt rescued by him from an early age. And so th- that's, been, that's my core sense of identity is like, hey, hmm. serve the Lord. Yeah. Well, that and goes typically, with... it's been, it, typically, it's been the LDS Church in which I've dedicated my service because I felt like that's yeah. the vehicle. Sure. I mean, why would you question it? And um, you know, that goes with what Paul says—that all things work together for good for those who are called to God. So, you know, I know in some some circles in religion, uh, to make a mistake like that is the worst thing possible ever to ever do. But some of us have to, or we don't yeah. have the experiences we need. <laughs> no. the, Lord the Lord knows Jesus. how to set things right. That's right. Well, that, that's, that, that's the perfection he just and, and think about what he asked for. A broken heart is like, okay, well, I broke it through carelessness and yeah. neglect. Yeah. How do you get a broken heart to begin with? You know, I think about Jesus when he said, uh, I, I come, I come for the, uh, the, uh, yeah, come for the sinners, not for the, not for the righteous, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I like that Jesus comes for me. Yeah. I mean, if I'm already perfect and know everything, well, I, that I, that I see, even though I, I'm actually blind, I think I see, and then I'm in trouble. That's a much worse state to me <laughs> than to know yeah. that, that you're broken. That loving caring that he has towards those who are who have been exposed for sins, public shaming sort of sins. Oh, yeah. Love and compassion that he shares. It is the rebukes are reserved for the uh, highfalutin religious leaders who think they know better. Yeah, always have been. And I I've long said that in the last days it'll be the same way. It'll be the very religious people that are most opposed to what he's doing. So, how dare you? <laughs> well, that answers uh, kind of the other question I had about whether you were born into the church or a convert. I assume yeah. you were born in, um, and how many generations? So it goes back to your your dad, your parents, right? Okay. Yeah, and my on my mom's side, it goes back more generations than that. Um, oh, okay. But but my dad had much more of an influence on. Uh, he he was uh, very clearly leader in spiritual things in our home. Okay. Well, and you you did say you served a mission. I know I've I've heard some a little bit on some of your other videos. Yeah. You have served mission. Was it one mission or how? What did you do? Oh, I was called English speaking to the South Dakota Rapid City Mission. Oh, in I've the been Midwest, there. and I got um at about oh, let's see at about six months into the mission, I got switched to Spanish speaking, and I thought I already okay. spoke Spanish because of my half Mexican grandma, my uh, because yeah. my Mexican grandma, half Mexican mama, um. <laughs> Turns out I only spoke Southern California Spanglish, um, <laughs> and it wasn't full-on vulgarities, but it was street slang. Yeah. It was, but um, I learned to speak Spanish fluently, and it was primarily reading the Book of Mormon out loud that helped me make wow. that transition. And it didn't it it didn't take very long before I was teaching unassisted uh, in Spanish, and um, I, I still use it to this day. That's I married awesome. a six-foot-tall Peruvian girl. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yep. Uh, my my wife is an English learner teacher, so all of the students that don't really speak English very well, she she gets to teach them and help them out with their English. So 
that's cool. And she can she can speak Spanish. When we go into Mexican restaurants and so forth, she can converse so enough oh, anyway. Yes. So it's always fun. I have no idea what they're talking about. I know they're talking about me, but I don't know what you know. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, so how would you describe your relationship during your mission time uh, with the Lord? Uh, looking back now, I mean, how, how would you describe it? I think that was that was probably the time that I more naturally developed the habit of carrying a prayer around in my heart to where it, it has always been my habit, even about as far back as I can remember to say prayers at night before I go to mm-hmm. bed. And I don't remember if that's always been my habit when I wake up in the morning during that mission, learned how to carry that prayer around in my heart. And, um, okay. And, and that was the catalyst for, for numerous breakthroughs, but um, I desired to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. I even ended up having a, a visionary experience where my testimony changed, where it was no longer, I believe the atonement of Jesus Christ, but I know that it's real. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, so at an early age, you, you're learning how to, what it is to be in continual prayer. Yeah. yeah that's something some people still don't get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it took me a while to figure that out, but I, I realized I was doing it naturally and didn't realize really praying, but it's like my heart and mind are drawn out. And that is the time where he oftentimes speaks to me. It's not when I'm doing the formal prayer. I think there's something about the nature of formal prayer where it becomes almost one-sided accidentally. I don't, I don't know how to. It can. <laughs> yeah. I, I noticed that if I, if I set aside a place, even if it's just mm-hmm. right now in my garage, when I make sure that it's cleaned up and I just have the pads down here, like the exercise pads, mm-hmm. and I'll dedicate myself, there's time. I, I feel like I'm asking to be trained by the Lord, and oftentimes it'll yield results. Awesome. So you have a prayer closet in a sense, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's usually nature. I got to get out somewhere into the the woods, the the lake, somewhere out, you know. So, yeah. Well, uh, so you're currently no longer a member of the LDS proper church, right? Yeah, Properly, right. okay. Um, and I was kind of wondering what were the initial circumstances that um, led you, just initially, to even ask maybe certain dangerous questions, perhaps. Um, I mentioned that um, I, I've been an active member of the church since I was 15 years old. Um, it was right after I turned 16, moved to mm-hmm. Southern California, and I started going out with the missionaries every single day. Um, and, and I'm not exaggerating when I say every single day, because if there's 30 days in a month, it's 25 plus of those days that I'm giving the missionaries rides to their appointments, learning the mm-hmm. discussions before I was a missionary myself. Um, always been vigorously active and I was called as the elders quorum president in 2019 in my ward in North Ogden okay and I was already feeling an upward spiritual trajectory now I I was even dealing with like I could tell that there was darkness chasing me (laughs) it it was it was an interesting time in my life because I could feel it it felt unnatural Mm -hmm. but I realized okay I feel like there's like my heavenly father's working with me right now, even though this feels unnatural, this darkness that's chasing me, affecting me at work and other places. Um, December of 2019, a buddy of mine simply asked, why do you think Joseph Smith was a polygamist? And I tell him, dude, it's a done deal. He says, what do you mean it's a done deal? I said, it's well established. By who, he asked me. And I said, the wives. And we've got a good enough relationship that we can be pretty direct with each yeah. other. And he's, he's asking me the questions, but I realized I've got holes in my knowledge on this mm-hmm. subject. 
And I thought I was pretty solid because I take it seriously. For one thing, I love to study. Church yeah. history is among the subjects that I love to study yeah, and yeah. also the scriptures. It's right there in the church history. Yeah. When I, when I first contemplated in my mind, I've got holes in my knowledge on this, don't I? I recognize the spirit tell me you should do something about that. Mm. Oh, okay. And as soon as I made the decision, well, let me just research from the first time in my life, the possibility, is it even possible that Joseph Smith wasn't a polygamist? Because yeah. not only did I know it, I'm mentally, I'm a polygamist. I know the Lord doesn't command it right now, but hey, that's an eternal principle. Mm-hmm. I do not make apologies yep. or exceptions or try to water down the polygamy. That's God's law. Yeah. And when I open my mind to the possibility, is it possible he wasn't a polygamist? The spiritual trajectory that I went on went on a higher course, went on, mm-hmm. on a more accelerated course. I'll give the the shortened version the churches, the the sources that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints uses to claim that Joseph Smith was a polygamist, only one claims to be from Joseph Smith, and that is Doctrine and Covenants section one hundred thirty-two. Yeah. And anybody familiar with that realizes to say that it is highly suspicious is an understatement. I would recommend the podcast from Michelle Brady Stone called One Hundred Thirty Two yes. Problems. Yes. That's a great one. Excellent. I had no clue that anybody had. She didn't have that podcast at the time. Mm-hmm. For me to investigate this. I exclusively went to the church website mm-hmm. and investigated all the sources that the church provides. Yeah. I went to josephsmithpapers.org, and that's it. Visited zero blogs because the Spirit told me, don't go to anybody's blog. Don't go to anywhere else. Don't get anybody's digested opinion. And when I prayed to know this one, it was life-changing. It was um, I had an experience just barely past midnight when I finished writing down my reasoning like the Spirit had told me to where – the things when I prayed about it, it was, it was real specifically three things. It was knelt down by my chair mm-hmm. with a with a little desk light going on. My wife was asleep back there, and I asked Heavenly Father, "I've come to three conclusions on this subject. I don't believe Joseph Smith ever taught polygamy. I don't believe he ever practiced polygamy, and I believe Doctrine and Covenants section one hundred thirty two is fraudulently attributed to him." Have I discovered the truth? I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm pretty sure that's it word for word. Zero fluff on purpose. I could feel my body change. (laughs) There was something different when I asked that prayer. And it was different than Mm -hmm. I experienced with anything. And I didn't know what that change was. It was about two minutes where I realized, okay, something's going on. What is this? And it felt like an intensity of peace. Yeah. When When I started to now contemplate what I had been studying those previous mm-hmm. two weeks uh, where I'm asking like where I, as soon as I started to think about Joseph Smith's teachings on marriage whew, that information would flood into my mind quickly and oh, yeah. gently and it would be available for me to contemplate in greater depth than I've ever had and you know how satisfying it is when you learn something yeah. and it, it's like oh I get it now mm-hmm. it was a greatly magnified version of that of things locking into place that Yes. That process of the Spirit bringing things to my mind, I had been commanded to study that stuff those past few weeks, Mm -hmm. and now the Spirit could bring it into my mind and put it into place. That went on for for more than an hour. (laughs) And uh, amazingly satisfying. Mm -hmm. To that point, it was like the most unique spiritual experience I'd had in my life. That definitely is a a trajectory change, as you said, or a paradigm shift. Uh, at the same time, although you've had this amazing experience, and I know what it is like when you come to truth like that, it, it's like, uh, it's well, it sets you free. Yeah. But 
at the same time, this also is potentially putting you in great conflict because are you asking yourself, why is the official church account of history saying a lie? I mean, I'm assuming that's the next thing you had to deal with on like a, some level. I, I didn't really think of it like that. Here's what it seemed like. When I, when I was getting this answer and I realized, wow, not only was Joseph Smith never a polygamist, like things locked into place to where what I had been studying made it clear. Joseph Smith was a vigorous enemy of polygamy in yeah. all forms. No spiritual life or anything else. And I simply, I simply, with wonder and patience, like, wow that really has some strong implications regarding Brigham Young and those who took over the church. And I simply felt satisfied. Well, the Lord's going to help me put that in place because I didn't know how that fit into place. All of a sudden, I just realized it wasn't from Joseph. <laughs> there, there's, there's some serious implications. It was about, when I said that prayer that I told you and, and I kept having that experience, it was just mm-hmm. barely past midnight on, on sun, the first four minutes of Sunday, July, I mean, excuse me, January 12th of 2020. So it's past 1am and I realize okay. I gotta get to bed. And I say a prayer like Heavenly Father, I'm going to be in front of my elders quorum pretty soon. Am I supposed to testify of this? And mm. the Spirit says clearly and gently, yes. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> this all took place during the pandemic even. So no, pre-pandemic. There was no pre, lockdown. Just before. Okay. Else. Okay. And so when the pandemic happened, mm-hmm. nothing seemed surprising to me at all. Just because I realized like when the Lord's doing his words, like, well, yeah. you're Satan's kingdom with lockdowns and mass mandates and, and, uh, shut down all the businesses and like, well, that's Satan's kingdom. Yeah. And it, and so it made perfect sense that the, that the institution, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints became in lockstep with all of the satanic globalist policies. That was not surprising to me at all. I had already woken up. Hmm. Okay. So that was the, your awakening. And it happened pretty quick. It wasn't a slow, laborious process over the years of slowly discovering. It's sort of a big slap in the face. <laughs> but here, so, okay, there was that, but that was just an answer, and it was incredibly yeah. satisfying. When I testified to my elders quorum about it, you got men grabbing their faces, kind of like, whoa. And, um, okay. But I felt like my Heavenly Father was happy with me. It was the next morning that I, I didn't know what a baptism of fire experience was. But that's what happened. When my alarm went off, I hit the snooze button zero times, and I just pop up, and I say, good morning, Heavenly Father, because it feels like he's standing right there. Mm-hmm. And the Spirit says, kneel down. I kneel down. Spirit says, ask for this, and I ask for it. And I could feel the physical sensations changing in my body yeah. as I'm being told exactly what to pray for. And it was a prayer of thanksgiving at first. It transitioned to the Spirit saying, ask for this. Now ask for this. And I'm being told my sins one after the other and how to plead forgiveness for them. Wow. Until finally I was told to end in the name of Jesus Christ. I stood up and I could feel it. it my whole body had changed. Yeah. Um, my, my love for God got completely replaced by his love for me. And that's what I wanted to reflect back to him. Because I felt like my love is nothing compared to this love that I'm feeling from him. And that endured with me for four consecutive days. And I've never been the same since then. So you went from going to the temple to becoming the temple. Oh, help me understand what that means. (laughs) Well, I mean, you you became the temple of God at that moment. God was dwelling in you, this Holy Spirit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, well, I take it they didn't take it well, what you said. No. 
Um, so that I guess that leads me to the question. I, I, let, let me mention this. The response was exclusively this from my local leaders. They don't want to touch that subject because they're ignorant of it and they feel oh, more yeah. comfortable in their ignorance. Well, All they've turned it into. So what are you saying about the president of the church? Um, nothing. He's not even of much interest to me. But but if you believe this, then you can't believe that he's God's prophet. Do you believe he he's God's prophet referring to President Nelson? Like hmm. If he wants to make that claim, that's up to him. I'm not wow. even worried. And yeah. so it, it just really revealed how severe their insecurities are. Yeah. Not only are they guessing the gospel and not founded on Jesus Christ, they say, but what about my sacred cow that I'm holding up? What's your opinion of him? It's like, I, I, let's, let's go ahead and make carne asada. I definitely want to ask you about prophets in just a bit. So mm-hmm. we're going to come back to that. We're going to circle back around. So that that leads me to my next question, which I I'm wondering. Um, so did you did you end up basically resigning your membership in the church, or did they make that decision for you, or what happened there? October of 2020, um, the local bishop in my in my ward, his name's Pete. Uh, he I was doing the sacrament in my own home with my own family. During the while that while he had turned the congregation into a full blown mask cult, there wasn't even hymns being sung like throughout the church because you can't breathe out loud in proximity to other people. Mm-hmm. When he had enforced those satanic globalist policies locally where I live, he didn't want me to be able to do the sacrament at my own home with my own family. Specifically mm-hmm. saying, "Well, I'm not sure if I want to give you permission." Because uh, you don't even believe in the president of the church. Okay. And I told him just quite directly, but lovingly, it's like, I'm not going to ask your permission for how I worship the Savior in my own home, and I would never do that. Hmm. And that's when he got the stake president involved to uh, take disciplinary action against me. They want to control my worship of the Savior in my own home because of their personal insecurities about whether I believe President Nelson is something. Hmm. You know, if you go back to about the time that you, that you are having these, you know, experiences with the Lord and and how that puts you at odds, I guess, with the, the religious society of, of the church, um, I noticed that a lot of people um, during that time that questioned things, very harsh reactions against them, people being put out of the church easily. Yes. I've noticed a change, or at least it seems like a change. And maybe it's just one of these things that, from my perspective, based on people I'm talking. But recently, in 2023, I'm finding people confessing to their bishop they no longer believe in any manner of things could be don't believe in the temple or going to the temple or the ordinances of the temple it could be anything i don't believe the the current prophet is even a prophet i mean all these things and and i've seen a lot of weird things where it's sort of like well that's okay and you know um we all have questions and uh, you know you can continue uh in your things that we have you doing in the church um but just don't talk about this too much or whatever you know and like is do you? Th- <laughs> it makes me wonder if, on some level, the church is aware that they're bleeding out members, yes. and they're Very trying so. to be a little more. You know, they're trying to keep people on. I got a friend that was talking to me uh, literally about four days ago, and he spoke to his stake president because he's he's a friend with him, and letting him know, hey, I don't believe this. I and 
And the stake president said, well, join the club. And, it, and he related to him saying, mm-hmm. it's pretty common now. Like, I personally know eight or more different people that within the past couple of years have been asked to either be bishop in a bishopric or elders quorum president mm-hmm. who have all said, no, I won't do it. If you ask me my opinion of the, of the leaders of the church, you're not going to like it. Yeah. And so, so in other words, on a local level, over and over again, and, and this is happening throughout the church, hmm. um, those who are recognized as oh, these are the people that we want to be leaders in our congregation, they're getting founded on Christ and recognize that the same as in the days of Isaiah, same as in the days of Jeremiah, same as in the days of Jesus Christ, the institution has been taken over by evil men. Yeah. Yeah, that's that seems to be the case. Uh, we seem to be in a position where pretty much any any and all institutions, as far as I can tell, are either they're directly heading towards a satanic principle uh, and joining up with him, or or in just some cases, the Holy Spirit just seems to be fleeing institutional churches. Yeah, well, uh, it's a, it's the sifting. It is the yeah. separation between the wheat and the tares. This is the time to where. The Lord's allowing, as a nation, the United States is being allowed to ripen in iniquity. Mm. Because yes. there's going to be, before the burning, there's going to be gathering out mm-hmm. of the Lord's people. I, I know so many people that are so political, and they're just all about taking the country back. Take the country back, you know. We need to, you know, uh, they basically, I'll put it this way. I feel like idolize the government, the United States, um, and you know, I love the country as much as anyone. I love history. I know that God's hand was involved in, in allowing us to have a land of liberty, a place where there'd be no king, where we could, you know, we could actually uh, worship as we will. But we also know that in Daniel, all the kingdoms of men are going to come crashing down and rising yes. up as the mountain of the Lord. I mean, it's we've, Zion. We've been given a, a pattern of that in the Book of Mormon where the government of the land completely collapsed and it turned into tribes. Now, and this is done by Mormon who was at the tail end before his people completely collapsed, and he made sure that we have that as one of the major events. I am quite convinced that nearly everything in the Book of Mormon, if not all of it, is a pattern for what will play out as the Lord does his work right now. Yeah, the angel told Nephi there, save but two churches only. Uh, is this how you see it right now that what's happening is those people are coming out of all these various institutions, um, whether they're still in an institution officially or not, but their heart has removed out of the institution. They're no longer having allegiance to some institution that this is the birth of truly the manifestation of one church of Jesus Christ, that it's one flock, even though we haven't fully come to that yet, but it's eventually where we're headed for is one flock, one shepherd. Yeah. Even Christ. And that that separation, I believe, is based upon who hears and recognizes and follows mm-hmm. the voice of the Good Shepherd. Yes. One thing that I was incredibly grateful for, that baptism of fire experience in January of twenty twenty, it stood out to me to where the the central office, the the, the headquarters for the church aren't on earth. They are in heaven. And it ha- and it is incumbent upon us. To receive instructions from there, it, it has been so incredibly Amen. satisfying because um, all of the the heavenly hamster wheel stuff that's a part of LDS mm-hmm. proper was no longer taking away all my time. 
and I and I get to have more meaningful ministering and missionary experiences than ever before in my life, even more frequently than when I was a full-time missionary mm-hmm. back in my late teens, early 20s. Yeah. I noticed something. You said for a while that you could feel the dark force of Satan and his uh, his minions basically trailing you. And, and, and yeah. you know, uh, what I've noticed is this. Satan really knows a lot more than we think he, we do. We like to think he's completely ignorant, but he's not. He he knows us, and he, I believe, sees into the spiritual realm because he's a spiritual being. And so I've noticed, I think even before you realized you were about to have this awakening, Satan was seeing it. He was seeing the potential, and he was after you at, at some point. Um, you know, we live in a spiritual realm, and I think most people are very ignorant of that. They they focus on the outward things. We all want to look at political ideas, and and we want to fight about whatever it is, abortion or whatever it is. And all those things, they may be important things, but also there's something going on in the spiritual realm. And uh, flesh and blood is not our enemy. Yeah. I mean, we know who our real enemy is. So, um, yeah. Well, I, so here's what I'm curious about, because, you know, being ejected from the church um, because of the principle that you stood on, which is a good principle. Um, it, it was just, it was never once, still to this day, whether it's the, the stake president, Cam Ryan, his counselors, whether it's my local bishop, uh, Pete Glenn, zero times, zero, zero, zero times has there been anything meaning to point me to Jesus Christ. It has just been yeah. projection of their own insecurity about President Nelson. And it's like, hey, yeah. if that's your God, have fun with it. Mm. I, I already have a savior and that he alone is who I will worship. Amen. The effect on your family, um, you know, your wife, I assume, how did that go? And then you've got your mother and father, your, whoever extended family. Um, did that cause a, has that been a cause of pain? Um, well, for all of them, um, for my wife, um, she had not taken any any steps to gain her own testimony even though she's been active in the church her whole life so when i'm obviously having changes it it threw her for a loop yeah and and i had to be trained by the spirit on how to be patient and long-suffering with my wife because i get so enthusiastic that i can be overbearing (laughs) and and it's 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 a certain level of zeal that has to be taken in small doses and but our relationship right now is better than than it's ever been i'm grateful for it Mm -hmm. um my mom, I've, I've actually never heard a testimony from her in my whole life. Um, she's been active in the church and so excited to send out missionaries mm-hmm. into the mission field. Yeah. But I've never heard her share any part of the gospel of Jesus Christ with any member of our family or anybody else. A couple of times I've heard her speak in church. Um, uh, but my father, he's got a testimony, but his testimony became founded upon polygamy. Oh. Very uh, to, to the point to where he moved my mom and wanted to get members of the family to move to a polygamous colony oh. in in a in a Baja California, Mexico, okay. and it, he's even been ordained as a patriarch in that in that polygamous colony. Okay, and and so when I shared with him about the experiences leading to learning that Joseph Smith wasn't polygamy, he was I could. And I even mm. I even shared one time. He came to visit, and I felt the Spirit tell me, share with him what happened to you. And I shared about the baptism of fire experience. Yeah. I could feel just this anger and resentment building up mm-hmm. towards me. And from then, his only explanation for me is that I'm possessed by demons. 
And I know that's a direct result of having founded his testimony instead of on Jesus Christ on exactly. polygamy. Because he, he has recognized that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints operates in diminished mm-hmm. spiritual capacity. He's, he's um, explained yeah. that and the principles of polygamy to me for, gosh darn it, like 15 plus years to me yeah. now. Um, but yeah, he's, um, he's as close as you can to be, be to being a polygamist without having taken on a second wife. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the whole nature of fundamentalism. Fundamentalism yeah. on the RLDS side is, looks considerably different because it doesn't have polygamy, but it's, there's still a very fundamental, uh, you know, uh, thing of basically, and I totally understand it where you go, well, I'm going with what the scriptures say and what the prophet originally said, and I'm following all these things. The church has fallen away from it. And when you look at the church, you do see that diminished. You see that, well, it doesn't have the same, the spirit isn't strong. It, the gifts aren't there like they, they used to be. Where's the healings, the miracles, all these things? Where is the power of heaven being demonstrated? And so, of course, it's very easily to go, well, it's because they don't pollute, do polygamy anymore or whatever it is that, that is your personal you know, mm-hmm. thing. But the thing is, and I can guarantee you this, without ever going to visit that community, without ever having need to interview a single one of those people, because I've had enough experiences myself with similar little ventures outside of the church where people go extremely to the fundamentals of, of whatever the church originally taught. And that is that they don't have the demonstration of the power of heaven among them either. They might have polygamy, but they don't have in that, uh, in that community. It, um, it, it's a Labaranite branch from different Labarians, but, at one point, it became homicidal to where one of the brothers that was vying for power started murdering the oh, power. Wow. And so there, there's very little cohesion. 100% of the polygamous families that I've known, and it's been probably in the, in the dozens of them, 100% of them, their families fall apart to varying degrees. Um, and those are the fruits that the Lord has provided for examples mm-hmm. in my life that, that I judge by. Amen. Well, I recognize a uh, fire in you early on. Um, it, it's 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 palpable. It's visible in all of the videos <laughs> that you watch. There's this fire brewing, and I see that that goes all the way back to your mission days, back to your I want, youth. I want to say why, because here's the thing that stood out now, and this is something that that became alive with me when I had that baptism of fire experience. Mm-hmm. I it is it is now burned into my soul that the victory is already achieved through Jesus Christ. It, it, is us and, it, it is us and humanity that have to pass through the whole space-time yeah. continuum for it to play out. Yeah. But it is done, and yeah. it is a celebration. We are invited to participate in that victory. So when, when Satan unleashes his demons and giants and whatever other creatures he has yeah. in his last final desperate throws— we are a part of the victory party. We have to be a part of the fight. We're invited to be part of that fight because the victory is already achieved. It's going to get weird. There yeah. are things coming. That I've tried to, I don't dwell on it because I don't like to talk about it, but there are some weird things going to happen and people are not going to know what to believe. They're going to question everything. If you don't Their have that testimony, to them. yeah, if you do not have a strong foundational testimony of Christ and you know him and he knows you, you're in trouble. And so, man, I... I, uh, that's the part I worry about is people don't know what's coming. And, and yeah. if you don't really have a strong testimony, if you're just born and raised into the church and you just, well, I just believe these things. Cause that's just, you're in trouble. You're going to yeah. be in trouble. So going through the motions, traditions, it, 
I, there's a word that I learned from my dad. He's a studious person. He taught me the word profunctory. <laughs> go, it, it means to go through the motions, to yeah. do it just, just because. Yeah. When religion becomes profunctory, no matter how dedicated to those functions, yeah. it's dead. I, like, I love what, what um, Nephi teaches. In Second Nephi 25, he gave a dozen-plus chapters of Isaiah, and now he's teaching his people, we keep the law of Moses because we're commanded, but it's dead to us. And he's Amen. referring to all of the observances in the temple. Exactly. They built the temple at great sacrifice. That's dead because yeah. we're alive in Christ. That's the calling to us right now. Hey, we might still have promptings from the Spirit to where, whether it's a faithfulness in the institutional performances to some degree, but that needs to become dead through a living testimony of Jesus right. Christ. Amen. Um, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Yeah. yeah. If it, it, I love this phrase. If the truth can destroy it, it should. Yes. And the truth can bear inspection. That's why I'm never yeah. afraid to ask questions. The Lord truth, loves us. I, I love all, all of those, all of those um, idealistic phrases. The truth is like a lion. You just yeah. set it free and it will defend itself. And some people are terrified to ever question the Lord. I've questioned the Lord many times. I've always found out in the end that I'm completely stupid. But, um, and, but I'm glad to find that out. Like, but there's times, you know, and the Lord can take it. He wants us to ask questions. He, just, he doesn't want us to just go along and go, well, I don't understand this, but I guess this is just how it is. I mean, yes, on faith, I'm going to accept what his word says when I know it's his word, even if I don't understand it. Uh, that's not what I'm suggesting, but it's okay to wrestle with God occasionally. Yes, um, if you do, if you do so respectfully and and with the aim of I just want to understand yeah. you, Lord. I want to know. Well, you think about that. That's right at the beginning of First Nephi in chapter three, to where all of a sudden Nephi's over the wall at night and he sees Laban, and the Spirit says, "Slay him." Oh, and he didn't tough. want to, and the Lord worked with him yeah. because he had sincere objections to mm -hmm. it. And the Lord worked with him, so he realized, okay, I understand why I'm being given this commandment. All of our sincere concerns or objectives, mm -hmm. we present it to the Lord, and he is a patient, loving teacher. Nephi wasn't the only one that struggled with that. I struggled with that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, so I just to, thought it was cool. Decapitation in the first three chapters. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you put it in the context of this is the Old Testament part of the Book of Mormon and they were under the law, Laban was under the law. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. I had to ask the Lord because I was like, I, I'm trying to, because I always think about the Book of Mormon as being New Testament, even the Old Testament part, because there's so much understanding because it was a righteous branch. They were allowed to see Christ much more clearly than the Jews were allowed to see him. Yeah. Um, and they had a role to play in that what would happen later, but well, okay. So your own Exodus story. So the book of Jacob has a, a chapter called Exodus. Um, your Exodus from the LDS proper. Would you agree that the Lord has called you into the wilderness? Is, is that an expression you've ever used? I, I certainly understand that. And I think that was, I feel like I was in the wilderness leading up to this when it, when it culminated in learning that Joseph Smith wasn't a polygamist and I was, I was being told to testify of it specifically so I could sacrifice mm -hmm. a false idol that I had. Oh. Uh, when, I, when I asked at about 1 a.m. On, on Sunday, January 12th, Heavenly Father, am I supposed to testify to this, uh, of this to my elders quorum? The answer was quickly yes. Mm -hmm. And I had brought to my mind my false idol, which was me in my three-piece suit at church being respected as a leader. <laughs> I valued yeah. that greatly. Yeah. And I realized that is likely to permanently change. And I realized that's okay. Yeah. 
I, I was I was I was okay with it. I knew that I was sacrificing it, and it was a willing sacrifice. I thought I was going to be the lone soldier for the Lord. I didn't realize that anybody was having waking up experience. I didn't even realize that was happening. I was totally willing to be a lone soldier for the Lord, and it has been such an immense blessing uh, gaining brotherhood. Like, even with the, like, yeah. my parents don't talk to me, and, and, and the little bit that they talk about me, it's generally to speak evil of me. I've been given people who are brothers to me, people that I absolutely love, and it becomes united so quickly because of that mutual testimony of the Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm blessed beyond belief. I, I'm so grateful for it. It's um, it, it is an amazing thing to be a part of. Yes, I same. I, I my covenant with the Lord is I would suffer whatever, and for a while I did suffer alone. But you know, He sent me one or two people along the way who sympathized and had their own questions and and did not go along with everything, and so that made it survivable. I can't even imagine like Moses going out spending 40 years in the wilderness trying to figure out <laughs> what he's doing and what, you know, that's, and that really was being alone <laughs> to a, a large extent. But... He had to wait for the old farts to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. Because but I, I love that, that imagery to where the Lord is saying, I've got a promised land for you. You've seen the miracles getting you out of Egypt. Now we're at the borders mm-hmm. of the promised land. That's going to be unto you for your inheritance. And yeah. so for the rest of this earthly experience, and when the when the scouts came back, most of them saying, "There's yeah. giants among them. They're scary. We can't do that. We're like grasshoppers yeah. compared to them." It was Joshua and Caleb who says, "We can handle this. Mm-hmm. If this if the Lord's promised it." But the Lord realized there's just not enough faith, especially among these people who have their false traditions. Yeah. Let's send you wandering in the wilderness until they're dead. Yeah. Well, and that would have been twice that he was in the because even before he went to pharaoh oh, yeah. everybody he, had his he was his called out in the yeah and it was i believe it was 40 years 40 years before remember, he returned do you remember the training montage especially i think it's rocky four with ivan dragos yeah. where rocky goes uh, to russia and he's training out in the woods naturally yeah uh, even though he was he was like doped up on steroids for the movie <laughs> but um but i think it we recognize and we connect with that sort of symbology mm-hmm. where it happens in all kinds of different movies. There's going to be a main character yeah. who separates himself to get trained up for the great yeah. battle that's about to happen. Yeah. Well, the Lord obviously does that. He did it with Lehi and his family. He did it sure. with Moses. And, mm-hmm. and he's going to do it with his people in the last days. What's great is that even though we all have to do this, we have to, at some point, it's just you and the Lord. You have to make yeah. the decision, right? But... What's beautiful about it is that there are so many people that he's bringing out. He's building his his church, and so yeah. we we aren't truly alone, which is awesome that we don't have to spend forty years like Moses did before <laughs> even be sent to Pharaoh. So <laughs> we're just manna. Unless you complain enough, you'll send some quails. Well, I wanted to ask you about. I want to talk about the topic of deception with you. Yeah. Um, so I've been deceived before. Uh, in fact, I mentioned the last time we spoke that I had once joined a cult. And anyway, I learned a, and I'd learned a lot of important lessons about that. I learned a lot of lessons about myself. Um, so this is a quote from you, and I'm going to play it right now. Um, in post, I'll put it up. You're, throw, you're throwing my words right back at me. Yes. Uh, I'm going to in post it. It'll appear, and everyone's going to see this. But um, here's what you said. 
one th- there's a principle that stood out in much higher definition after that baptism of fire experience. Satan will teach as high of a percentage of truth, even truth that's uncommon that the masses don't know, as long as the net result is a greater deception. I went and captured that video. I have it on my computer, and I love that saying. Put um, it over. You, you need to post production edit it. Put it over the part where I'm drinking my beverage. <laughs> say, make sure you do that. Sure. <laughs> From my own experience, truer words have never been spoken. Um, so, um, I know you've had experiences with certain individuals um, in the Doctrine of Christ community. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe we should start there first, yeah. um, and we'll get to we'll get to what happened, but. Um, how did the, the disciple of Christ community get started What what Phil Davis wasn't, he didn't start that. No, he's movement. not the founder of anything. Yeah. He, he's he, so, um, people for a number of years, like I meet people to where it might be a decade or more ago that the Lord has woken them up mm-hmm. and it's become more clear the reasons why in recent years. And so the Lord's been working with people for years for a lot more people mm-hmm. It has been since the pandemic that it's woken a lot of people up. Yes. Um, uh, Phil Davis joined a group of of people back in uh, 2018 and had a falling out with them. And and for Phil Davis specifically, I'll give give a chronology. I'll say some names that you won't know, but other people who are familiar with this, they'll know these names. In 2018 or so, there was a version of the School of the Prophets started by author and former BYU professor Val Brinkerhoff and John McNaughton, who's known as the author Anonymous, How to Have Your Second Comforter. He's also quite a renowned painter. If you were to okay. do a Google search for John McNaughton paintings, really, really beautiful and, and rather inspiring patriotic religious sort of paintings. Mm-hmm. They started the School of the Prophets because they felt inspired to do so. Their okay. second semester of it, and I don't know how long a semester is for them, Phil Davis joined them and changed the dynamics dramatically. Phil Davis had a falling out with them okay. because he was so adamant that not only was Joseph Smith a polygamist, but people, and it, in order to be a member of the holy order of God, you must be a polygamist. And he had shouting matches um, not only with Val Brinkerhoff, but also Val's sister, maintaining that position. So as he tried to assert himself inside of the Doctrine of Christ community, he took that doctrine and he put it into hiding, where in, only in more controlled okay. circumstances, he would say, uh, yes, Joseph Smith was not practicing polygamy, um, but, it, but, it is, uh, but he was teaching to those in the Holy Order the true principle of celestial marriage. So he's very controlled and hiding of that doctrine. But Phil Davis, the reason he had a falling out to begin with is because he was so adamant polygamy is a requirement for any who enter the celestial kingdom. But yeah, so that's one of the red flags when people hide their distasteful doctrines until they feel they have enough control over those who are listening. Just like Mauricio Berger in Brazil. Same, same thing. Um, the the doctrine of Christ community, per se, it's not really this. Not a group. It's not an organized group or anything like that. It's not. It's just it's just sort of a name for a movement. I guess is the best way that that's how I see it anyway. From what I've seen, 
And just for anyone that doesn't know what that is, I, I, do you want to describe kind of in a yeah. nutshell? So, I'll, I'll let you know this. So at one point, I mean, Phil Davis uh, took a part in doing Monday night discussions quite regularly that started to become popular. But in general, it's people who recognize the doctrine of Christ is not the LDS hamster wheel. That, it was <laughs> primarily people coming out yeah. of the LDS church mm-hmm. and recognizing Jesus teaches a simple, well-guarded doctrine of faith, repentance, water baptism, mm-hmm. receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And and that becomes exciting, and especially when people learn how to hear the voice of the Lord for themselves, and it helps them repent. Wonderful, miraculous yeah. changes in their own personal lives. And people receiving the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost um, I don't know of any instances where it happens because somebody here on the earth is authorized to do laying on of hands like the apostles in the uh, okay. in the New Testament, but people will receive that themselves. What happened to me in January of 2020, it was a baptism of fire experience. I don't, I don't try to claim to where that's the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. I can say this. I've never been the same. My testimony of Jesus Christ it, it exploded, and my, my desire yeah. to serve him and my confidence that that I meant to that I meant to know him in this life um, has achieved levels that that I didn't know existed. Many people are having those kind of baptism of fire experiences that found them on the rock of Jesus Christ. It is so commonly in direct connection with learning the false traditions that have replaced the doctrine of Christ inside of the church. Yeah. And it's some people have trouble understanding this when I talk about it. I have people try to argue with me. Um, it's not that there isn't other truth or mysteries or things that perhaps Christ would teach us or teach us in Zion or whatever that aren't a part of the doctrine, but it is that this is his only doctrine. And yeah. if you teach, I don't care what it is, if you are teaching something other than what he said is the only doctrine in me, and you say this is part of the doctrine of Christ, mm-hmm. then you come of evil and hell waiteth stand is you know waiting to receive such open to receive yeah and so uh that was that changed the trajectory of my life when i read that some years ago it changed everything and suddenly i started doing a series at church and harping on that and i don't think people are getting it because we made so many things his doctrine that wasn't his doctrine you mean i'm not supposed to be teaching the the (laughs) autumnal equinox of kolob come on now i worked hard to figure that one out as interesting as that is But it's it's quite obvious to where there are people that exercise faith to know the mysteries of God. I, yeah. I love the um, the quick descriptions that were given in Alma chapter thirteen. There's high priests called yeah. after the holy order of mm-hmm. God from before the foundation of the world. Yeah. They exercise faith to know the mysteries of God until they know them in full. And what does God do? He places them under strict command not yeah. to share it. Right. Only the portion of the word that's supposed to go because it, it's pretty obvious. The Old Testament especially. There's otherworldly stuff yeah. that you figure Moses saw all of the worlds that were created, yeah. which are innumerable. Yeah. And it, and so God can reveal that, but he on purpose says, hey, this is the doctrine of Christ. Yeah. He, told Moses, him, he told Moses, but this world only will he give you an account of. And this mm-hmm. kind of, this jives with my experience with the Lord. He's sort of a, on a need to know basis kind of Lord. And sometimes he'll give us little tidbits, but if it's says, not, uh, if I don't need Moses, to know it. He'll tell me, mind your own business. I'm not going to talk to talk to you well, about that right now. But phrase, uh, for my own purposes, like Moses asked, mm-hmm. for what purpose? Lord says, 
or my known purpose. Like, oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> come on. Give me something to work with. Oh, that baffled my mind when I was young reading that, like, worlds without end. You know, as one earth mm -hmm. passes away, another one comes into being, and there's no end to and, my work, so there's no beginning. And, He's and eternal. When, when, um, when Lucifer is, is uh, setting up his plan to get Adam and Eve to fall, mm -hmm. he starts off with, in the LDS Temple drama, I love the depiction of it to where, well, Adam, you have a new world here. Adam, confused, a new world? <laughs> yes, pattern after the old world where we used to live. In other words... Lucifer did not go through that veil of forgetfulness. He knew about other planets, other yeah. creations. He knew what sure. was going on. And he used the greater knowledge that he had, m more so than Adam and Eve, yeah. to entice them to follow his voice. Yeah, he, he's a tricky one that way. Mm -hmm. uh, he does know things. But we have the one that knows even better inside of us if we mm -hmm. have him, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, okay, Doctrine of Christ. So, anyway, I know you've had some experiences with a certain individual. <laughs> Someone still wants to set up a wrestling match for charity. We'll get that one on video. Think about the bonus footage that that would be. I've oh. had I've had him reach out to me and immediately had some feelings just from the spirit. Actually, I didn't know yeah. anything about him before I'd heard about him. Um, but anyway, um, and he seems to be someone, and it, there, he's not the only one. There's others I know out there, and I've run across him from time to time. Especially when I started the podcast, I kept, boy, I had a lot of people reach out to me. There's a lot of people out there who fancy themselves as one strong and mighty or one like unto Moses or yeah, whatever it is. It seems tall. to be a common theme running. Um, yeah. <laughs> but these are people that try to draw people to themselves. Yeah. They're not trying to bring you to Christ. They're trying to bring you to themselves. And you need to be dependent on them. And they need to, they need to be the ones who instruct you and you need to listen to them. That's one of the red flags right there. You have to be very yeah. careful. Um, so anyway, um, years ago, uh, this is something that the, the Spirit specifically warned me about regarding our LDS people. But initially, because of our traditions, okay, that they would be ripe to fall into any number of deceptions in the last days. And that that tradition is a tendency to set men on a pedestal and to look to men to lead them to what? God wants him to do. Okay. Um, and that was... We love, a, we love it when it seems like somebody's got it figured out. Oh, yeah. I'll just follow him. Well, He's it's got it certainly out. easier, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Moses, we can't climb the mountain. We'll die. You just go up and, and take notes for us. Tell us what yes. God said. Yes, this is it. This is the sin of ancient Israel. God wanted to speak to them. Oh, don't let God speak to us, Moses. You go and you have a relationship with him. And There's then, no way we're going to get naked dancing around a golden calf down here. You just <laughs> don't worry about us. Happens. Don't worry about us. Everything will be cool. You go have a relationship with God, and then you can come back and tell us whatever he tells you to tell us. And I'm like, this is a sin, right? So anyway, and then with great emphasis, as I'm worried about our LDS people, and I start warning about this, okay, is that the Spirit of God made me aware that this issue is maybe even more pronounced among coming LDS people that are coming out we, of the church. We want a leader. Yeah. Like, our, for, for generations, I mean, since the days of Joseph Smith. Yes, it's um, our tradition. Since the days of Joseph Smith, we, we want somebody to where it's like, oh, that's that's who we're supposed to follow. Yep. Yes. And, and I know that the, the Lord makes makes clear in scriptures, especially in the book of Isaiah and many other places to where in the last days, there is going to be an end time servant. There's going to be in the last days where the Lord draws his people out 
where Satan's going to have power over his kingdom. There's going to be the establishment of Zion. Yeah. Um, but be- oftentimes, even because of the awareness of that taught in the scriptures, people are looking to set somebody up as somebody up as you're in charge, right? Yeah. I, you know, I this is the this is where I feel like the the Lord has led me, and that is that there are going to be any many number of servants in this last day. There's going to be many servants in different types. We know there's going to be a seed of Lehi, for example, yeah. who's a, cho- yeah. a choice seer, and he's going to do a work for his people. Um, and we know there's the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. We know, and you know, something the Holy Spirit told me is that he's bringing forth true apostles. I don't know if they'll even come from Mormon backside. I, I don't know if they'll come from one of the, you know, they, they could be Native Americans. I don't know, but, you know, apostles are coming. There's going to be a lot of people, um, but we don't look to men. We don't look to them. I don't care even if they are the servant of the Lord. And if they are a true servant of the Lord, they're going to point to Christ. They're not going to point to themselves. And they're going to be telling you, you need to get your own relationship with the Lord. You have to work that out for yourself. We can't work it out through some guy like, hey, you're good now. Mm -hmm. You've come to my camp. I put my hand on you. Now you're blessed and ready to go into eternity with the Lord, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, it does say Second Timothy three thirteen. I put it on the screen, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being mm-hmm. deceived. Mm-hmm. So anyway, do, and, any and other thoughts? Deceived. So I love that right there to where deceiving and being deceived. They I, are themselves I deceived. I think there's plenty of people who really believe that they're following God. Yeah. Who have um because they desire some sort of calling and recognition. Lord's yes. going to bless them according to their desire, desires. All right, if you th- feel like you're that. Mm-hmm. Good luck, you're on your own, and they teach their own ideas. Absolutely. That that was my experience in the cult. Ron Livingston was his name. He was a good guy. At one time, he had wonderful teachings. He, he really had some experiences with the Lord. And somewhere along the line, Satan comes in and tempts them. And I think the temptation is this. I think Satan comes to them as God, masquerading as God, or the Spirit of God, and tempts them to think more highly of themselves than they ought to. Yeah. That's the number one thing that that stood out to me. Like I learned through sad experience to where I thought because I I had a baptism of fire experience, bam, this is my new normal. And if I'm hearing any spiritual communication, it's automatically from God. When the spiritual lines of communication are open, they're open. It's not just one one source that's going to be talking to you through that spiritual wavelength. Amen. And there were, and for me, it was um, there was obviously a familiar spirit who knew how to say things that I would most likely believe yeah. come from God. And I didn't know the principle of how to check in, uh, of how to check in and analyze. Yeah. But since then, here's the number one thing. When it's Satan or one of his minions trying to give you direction, it will puff you up with. Amen. Time. Look how amazing the Lord has called you for this work. That's why you're so great. Yes. And you feel that when I hear the voice of the Lord, it flattens me yeah and that's okay because i'll be flattened feeling like yeah. all right but i'm on the rock that's yeah. pretty awesome it's is the most humbling experience that you could possibly ever have you'll be you will know that you are the lowest of the lowest of the dust of the earth and yet it'll be the greatest feeling ever yes and you're glad that that's where you are that you you cannot compare yourself. That's why Satan's great sin um, was that I will ascend. I will ascend into the heavens. I will ascend to the throne of God. I will, uh, you know, into the heights glory. of the mountain. Yes, you know. 
so that's yeah okay so that's great i, I wanted to get your take on on that because that's a concern i have for both our lds lds um, anyone really even christians in general or anyone in this world because there's a lot of deceptions that are coming forward so this will be our opportunity jacob you and i to take to to swear this before all all before so i am not someone that you should follow this is yeah. this is what i'm saying i am not some, and, right and i'll make you tacos <laughs> I, mean, well, I won't take you to the promised land. <laughs> hey, if you That's like listen, if you get something from my podcast or from Jacob's podcast, if it lifts you up, if it causes you to ask questions and go to the Lord and, and dig into it, amen. Fantastic. That's what we're here for. But do not take our word for anything. Uh, you got to go to the Lord yourself and have your own testimony. And if you don't have your own testimony, and this is why it's really important, it can be taken from you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, agreed. What would you say is your primary calling at this time? What is the ministry, as you understand it, that the Lord is leading you in at this time in your life? How would you describe it? To turn my heart to God and teach others how to do the same. I would agree. That is that is your channel, one hundred percent. Um. It, it, it's it's wonderful. Like I pray for it and I ask for it. Like uh, among those who are brothers to me now, um, more often than not, I'll simply pray, Heavenly Father, is there somebody right here where I live in North Ogden who's going to wake up and join me in the work? And I'll get a confirmation saying yes. And I meet that person um, <laughs> three plus hours, away, three hours away in Manti, Utah, only to find out he lives a four minute drive from me. And, <laughs> and then again, I'll be asking heavenly father, there's somebody else and I'll just be knocking on doors for work and somebody will give me a hug and say, you're on YouTube. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Is it churchy stuff? <laughs> and he was, and he was prepping a doctrine of Christ presentation for his family because he, oh, wow. and it's, That's it happens. Awesome. It happens again and again. And I, I, my encouragement would be to where if we're sincerely seeking the Lord, he will cause the righteous desires that he wants to grow. And perhaps we have, we have good desires that aren't necessarily from the Lord. He'll make sure that those drop off naturally. Yeah. But if you feel desire to where, are there others where I live? Heavenly Father, I want to open up my mouth and give a testimony, but I'm scared about it. Just ask for it and present it like that. Heavenly Father, I'm scared, but I want to do your work. Yeah. Can I do it? Will you provide for me an opportunity? I promise, like, when that sincere desire now translates into vocalizing a prayer with your Heavenly Father, He will answer that. It's, it's, it's freaking awesome. It is the most fun that I've ever had in my life. And it is, it is a joyous work. It is a fun work. Yeah. And, and to realize that He hears the simple, humble prayer at whatever level you're at. Just, it, I, I love the description in Second Nephi chapter 31. No hypocrisy and no deception yes where it's like i'm weak i'm scared i'm worried but i want to do it anyway mm -hmm. heavenly father will you train me up and he will you know in the doctrine of christ community or in, in others that are coming out of the churches um there is been an emphasis on uh having that experience of baptism of fire and the holy ghost and some people are really searching for that and i've had people who feel concerned whether they've had it or not, 
Um, do you run across that? Is this, and, and yeah. how, what, did, what would you say to someone if they said, I'm concerned and I don't know if I have, or I haven't, you know, I, I felt that same thing myself. Um, I, I don't think concern is the right word for me and what I personally experienced. And because I've heard people's accounts of receiving the baptism of fire and of the Holy ghost. And I, I, I know this when I evaluate my own experience and the description in second Nephi 31, then can you speak with the tongue of angels and shout praises to the Holy One of Israel? That was, not only was it burning inside of me, it permeated everything about my soul, and it endured for days in a row. Um, maybe maybe I have still have a lingering false idea that it's going to be this permanent, you're always filled with that level of yeah. fire. I don't, I don't think that's possible in this existence. Um, some of the things that have stood out, knowing that I have had a baptism fire experience to where not only were my sins forgiven, my desire to sin was mm-hmm. purged, eliminated. Mm-hmm. And I can only maintain that by being continually watchful under prayer. I would say yeah. for anybody who has that concern, give thanks for what you've received, present it to your Heavenly Father, ask if you're meant to receive more, and just be continually watchful under prayer. Yeah, I think the gratitude mixed with the asking through prayer, it will regularly translate into your Heavenly Father helping you to progress on the path. In 2019, I asked that question because I wonder, it became a, something of my own wondering, like, did I really have the full baptism of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit answered me and said, have I not spoken to you? And have you not spoken to me? Have we not, do we not have a relationship? Have you, I yeah. not led you? And he didn't say, yes, you've had it. He just said, has this not occurred? And I, I took that as a satisfaction that this is where I need to be. I can hear your voice. Uh, I can ask you questions. I'm, I'm following you. That's where yeah. I need to be. Um, here's a question I have for you that just came on my mind here. And it, I don't have the answer, but I've wondered about this. In the scriptures, Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit onto his disciples. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then he sent them forth and they cast out devils, they healed the yeah. sick, they did all those things. And then there was a day of Pentecost. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's possible that we have at least a portion of his spirit sufficient for the day of what yeah. we need to do? That there might be even a greater outpouring that will happen in these last days as his disciples gather together. Um, maybe it's in various places. It may not be in one place like in Pentecost. Maybe it's in various holy places where they're just gathering together yeah. and there's an outpouring that's even greater. Yeah. There's, um, it, we're given what we need to take us to the next step. I think yeah. of Alma, who was one of the, uh, degenerate priests in King Noah's court. He was the only one that spoke up saying, Hey, Abinadi's telling us the truth. We have to change. Please don't, don't, don't do anything to him. And they chased him out. There's no account of angels appearing to Alma saying, yes, you know the truth of it, or a baptism of fire experience of yep. that time. All that he knew is what he says is from God. He simply recognized this man has an authorized message from God, and I'm going to change because I know that's for me. And he started. T- he wrote down everything that he remembered from Abinadi, and he started teaching people, and he started to baptize. And then when he baptizes first Helam, H-E-L-E-M, 
he goes under the water first. And I'm sure that was recognition of his own unworthiness needing to be forgiven. Yeah. And it was later he had amazing stuff. But whatever we have right now will be held accountable for that. If somebody is simply feeling like I need to turn off the media that I'm consuming right now because I can feel the Spirit telling me, be faithful to that. If there's something else, whatever we have right now, be faithful to it. Because if we're doing that, the Lord knows how to do his work. To Where if we're constantly presenting our heart to the Lord, he's going to have his moments where he touches it, where he sends his angels, whatever needs to happen. But just constantly present whatever your own wills and desires are to the Lord with willingness to sacrifice your will to his. Thank you for that. I, I mean, I need to hear that. I think everybody does. Um, there's more to come. The Lord has great things on the horizon. Do we want to be a part of that? You, if you were going to be faithful with more, you have to be faithful with what he's given you. I mean, it's a parable, right? It's right. On yeah. the... I want to mention Midnight Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching a video the other day. Anyway, you've appeared on their podcast now at least a couple of times. So yeah. I knew you were on it's, once, and I saw there was another one. Well, like last this. time, I was cantankerous enough to where I don't know if I'm going to be invited again anytime soon. But I, know, I, I, I noticed that. I, I will say this: that Cardin Ellis, yeah, the main host, he mm-hmm. is on my meme distribution list. Yeah, <laughs> we share some good stuff one with another. I like those guys. I seriously do. Yeah, I, I love. I, I do love them. Actually, I love watching them. Um, I love listening to them. Um, I do disagree with them, of course, on on many things. But uh, sometimes I I wonder if they continue bringing people on like you or Mm -hmm. Michelle Stone of 132 Problems. Uh You know, they're going to end up eventually questioning something themselves and uh, (laughs) get into trouble. I I can't mention more details, but I'll I'll let you know this. There There are people who are definitely awakening to the dark secret combinations um, yeah. in their circle. Yeah. And I have wondered how long before they get in trouble for, even if they aren't directly themselves challenging anything, but just allowing to give voice to someone like yourself or Michelle yeah. Stone or whoever well, to think about when, when the tyrannical power happens, when it was the Catholic church with, um, with near limitless power to sequester and imprison and kill. Yeah. Um, I suspect that things like that are going to happen again, and it's pretty obvious that, um, that the LDS institution has formed its global alliances. Perhaps that power will be given to them again to persecute and kill the saints of God. More than likely. I mean, the, the Book of Mormon does say that this great and abominable church will be again in the last days. And I've warned people because they want to make I, I so many people in RLDS restoration conservative circles are really hip neck deep in politics. Okay. Like as if politics is going to solve things. And so, and what they want to do is they want to make a Christian nation. And here's what I've warned them. And I've warned them of this for years. Let's say you, you make this a Christian nation. Are you a Christian in the mind of those Christians with your Book of Mormon? I can't wait until there's purity tests enforced by the sword. I mean, it's it's the religious who were the enemy of Christ when he came. I'm sure it will be that way again. And so we have to be careful what we wish for. <laughs> yeah. 
on your I'll, last. I'll, I'll, I'll go hang out with John in the woods. <laughs> Dude, I love that wild man, John the Baptist. There you go. On your last interview with Midnight Mormons, which I was watching yesterday, um, you asked the or you were asked uh, by well, was it them? Yeah, it was Brad Rico. I, I don't know if I was pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, Brad Whitbeck, probably. Um, okay. Uh, anyway, I think it was Brad anyway, <laughs> but I think it was him. He made the statement that there is prophets. You had asked define what a prophet is. That's what it was. You had asked, what is a prophet? Okay. And he was saying, well, there are prophets, a small P and there's prophets, a prophet capital P of which immediately I was calling baloney on, but I wondered what your thoughts are on that. And what is, what is a prophet in your mind? So here, let me, let me say how I understand them. Um, the members of midnight Mormons and Jacob Hansen, who was a guest on that day, they are well aware that there's limited to no spiritual gifts being manifested by president Nelson and other people who have been the president of the church. And so they are attempting to redefine the same way that communists in general okay. will simply redefine terms so they become meaningless. They are attempting to redefine what it means to be a prophet. Prophet Big P, that's somebody who's a leader. And even though I won't say it out loud, they don't have to have any spiritual gifts or ever prophesy. They've now made it so a prophet, Big P, means nothing but a corporate head. Yeah. And it's, and, and so I'm. I get flamed in the comments because it's their audience. I'm like, dude, that's cool. Fine by me. Mm. <laughs> um, but as soon as there's honest people who ask Heavenly Father, are prophets like the ones I read about in the scriptures, or is it more of a leader head of an organization? The leader head of an organization, with very few exceptions, is just institutions being led by men. Yeah. And... Uh, that's why they they're simply redefining i view it as a dishonest practice i think they're sincerely deceived in trying well let's just make up a yeah. new definition to where a prophet is not a prophet but still a prophet well isn't this what's the difference between that and where the churches in the world and in america were when the book of mormon came forth so the teaching was and and actually some churches some protestant churches still teach today that the gifts are done away with, that healings and miracles and all those things, they were only for the original apostles so they could get things started. And now you just have to take it on faith. They've been done away with. That was literally the teaching. The Book of Mormon immediately comes against that and confronts that notion that God is the same yesterday, today, forever. If they are saying, well, now the prophet is just, he doesn't have to actually prophesy. He doesn't have to have revelation, understand, or see the future events or anything like that. Is, isn't that the same thing? Is like you're redefining how Christ's church works? Yes. It, whenever people lose the spiritual gifts, that's the sign. That's one of the surest signs yeah. of apostasy. And they'll simply make up crap to yeah. explain it. You have to justify oh, in those days it, rather than repent. Let's just justify yes. ourselves. In other words, it, it is that is refusal to repent. That's what it is. When I realize, when I recognize that I don't have the faith enough to where I haven't felt prompted to be able to simply say in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I realize it's because I don't have enough faith. And rather than making an excuse, 
my heart has been drawn out saying, Heavenly Father, I want to repent. How do I have the faith to wear when somebody needs to be healed? The power of Jesus Christ gets manifest, and I might be able to say the words, uh, say the words with permission yeah. that the power of Jesus heals somebody. And it's a cause for me to repent. I'm not a leader of any sort of organization, so, but if I were, if there's lack of spiritual gifts, it's, it's a requirement we have to repent. The return of the spiritual gifts is evidence that God has accepted the repentance. To me, it's a matter of courage or cowardice to some extent, because if you, surely everyone recognizes the gifts, and when you read any scriptures, Bible, Book of Mormon, you you can recognize plainly in the church today, in the institutional churches today, these things aren't happening that should be happening. I think anybody can see that. Now, what do you got to do? There's only two choices I can see. One, you have to have the courage of asking hard questions, and you don't know where those answers will lead you to, right? Lawyers in general, if they're in court, they only ask questions that they already know the answer. And they usually yes. ask it in a way where it's going to almost certainly yield the answer that they're searching for. And that's a, that's a lawyerly practice. Yeah, With that, God, it's going to be like, I won't get you uh, heaven. I, I, I give up. <laughs> exactly. I surrender. It is. It, yeah. it really is that, that full submission in the kind of questions, whatever yeah. answers there may be. Yeah. Yeah, or you have to make up an excuse. Well, well, here, here's something that I pose to people somewhat frequently to get them to consider their situation today. I'll say, imagine that you were a temple worker in the days of Lehi and Jeremiah, chapter one of the Book of Mormon. You're serving in the temple every single week. Mm -hmm. You're singing in the choir. Yeah. You're, um, if you heard Jeremiah and Lehi both saying what you're doing in the temple is an abomination in the sight of the Lord, unless you turn your heart to God, you and the entire nation will be destroyed. Would you have believed them? It's like, no, I'm, oh. and, and, and I realized like I got a buddy who's a mission buddy. He's now uh, a bishop over in Midvale, Utah area in Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake area. And he recognizes that uh, he identifies more with the faithful temple worker than somebody who than somebody who took seriously the words of Lehi and Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. Is that where we are now? Are yeah. we in the time of Lehi and coming out? I'll say this about missionary work. Um, there's patterns that were shown that the spirit will bear witness of the truthfulness of these patterns. One of them is the covenant people in chapter one of the Book of Mormon represents the LDS people today. If we claim to be a covenant people of the Lord, that's us. What are the circumstances? We're so convinced that what we're doing in the temple and all of our religious traditions are evidence of our righteousness. But if we do not turn our hearts to God, we and the entire nation will be destroyed. Yeah. Destroyed, scattered, or enslaved. The only exceptions are the small groups of people who will humble themselves and repent. A remnant. That's the Lord's covenant people today. And the spirit bears witness. When you tell that to people, chapter one of the Book of Mormon, the Lord's covenant people there represent the Lord's covenant people today. We have to repent or we'll be destroyed. The spirit will back you up on that. You talked about a pattern and how we repeat these patterns in the scriptures. And um, something I, I did not share when you were interviewing me last week, but one of my very first encounters that I remember reading the scriptures where the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. 
I was in the New Testament, and it was, I, I can't remember if it, they were questioning John the Baptist or if it's Jesus. They do it to both of them at one point. And they basically say, by what authority are, do you do this? Okay. And when I read that, right at that moment, the Holy Spirit just spoke out and said, I liken the people in the restoration as unto the Jews of old. And I don't know about LDS, but I'm guessing it's true. You tell me. Questions of authority are yeah. paramount. It's what makes us superior to everybody else. It's what makes us a true church, right? You're allowed to have revealed to you whatever these men say you're allowed to have revealed. Yeah, and John the ba- neither John the Baptist or Jesus went through the program. Uh, they didn't. They weren't one of the Pharisees. Well, they weren't one I'll, of the scribes. I'll this. Um, through his through his lineage, John the Baptist was recognized as somebody yes. authorized to work in the temple. But Jesus was was recognized as somebody authorized to teach in the synagogues. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, and he when he drove out the money changers in the temple, they didn't say how dare you. They simply said because they realized this had yeah. to happen. This is obviously corrupt. Yeah, it is a corruption of God's house. They simply asked him by what authority, and he says. You destroy this temple, and I will I will build it up again in three days. Um, I, I recognize uh, when people do the work. Well, LDS people they're kept on a very short leash just by. Well, you're not allowed to have things revealed to you unless it's uh, in line with the last uh, six months of general conference. <laughs> and it's um, but one of the things that that I point to that's obviously in direct contradiction to that. The truth of the sons of Messiah, where it describes them as missionaries, yeah. When, when they when they have miraculous missionary success amongst a wild and hardened people that were murders towards their own people, mm-hmm. therefore we see that that those who exercise faith pray continually to them is given forth to know the mysteries of God and to bring thousands of souls to repent. And it, and it talks about them knowing the mysteries of God until they mm-hmm. until they have things revealed to them that have never been revealed before. That's an invitation to everybody. Hey, you want things revealed to you from God that have never been revealed to anybody in the entire world? Exercise faith like the sons of Messiah. There's no... What you will not find in the Book of Mormon is this idea to where, in the last days, the Lord's going to have an institution and you will learn everything within those confines. It just doesn't exist. You know, the the temple priests, they didn't authorize John the Baptist to go out in the wilderness and baptize, from what I can tell. Nope. That's one of the reasons why they said, nope. by what authority Dude, are you I love, doing I love, a, I love John the Baptist when he sees the religious leaders at least somewhat at a distance. He calls out to them, hey, generation of vipers, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? You guys start showing evidence, showing that you've repented or else you don't make it. I, I like him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like his. I like his willingness to not be to not be nice. And, and I and I view there's got to be a certain level of love, yeah. which makes it so I don't put up with crap. You think about a a loving doctor. Yeah, <laughs> I, I forget his name, but I I see clips from that 600 pound reality TV show where people have have put their lives mm-hmm. so far out of order that the morbidly obese is an understatement. Mm-hmm. And, and for that doctor 
to make sure that he takes the loving, no nonsense. You're not going to starve. You stop eating. <laughs> the truth can be kind and it can also feel rough at times, but sometimes that's what you need. If you are so hardened religiously that you can't receive something in a very kind gentle way sometimes that you have to be confronted in some way that shocks you one of the kindest most loving things ever happened to me was i had an elder turn to me i was i was deeply hurt by actions that had been taken against me in the church for nothing that i had done wrong okay and i was very upset and i was too young to know how to process that properly and i got angry and i had a brother turn and look at me from across the church and he says brother you have a devil and you, and you need to pray. And you know what? And there was no hatred, no anger. He looked at me with sincere eyes when he said it. And I took a half a second to say, Lord, is it true? That, uh, yes. Like immediately yeah. I knew I had a spirit of anger. I view it this way. Like I refer to it as Satan putting in his hooks. Yeah. And because it, I'm sure that it didn't turn into possession of your body. That's no. something that happens through, through different. That, that happens through different kinds of agreements that people make. But Satan puts his hooks yeah. in with the natural desire to be bothered. Satan says, there's yes. my opportunity. Boom. Put you, that hook in. You buy into you that anger. Me. You buy into that hurt and that anger. And you mm -hmm. and you start to own it. And then you, re you recognize it's not Satan is trying to get me to go down the wrong path here. Mm -hmm. And so I repented. Um, but that's, yeah. I, so Jesus and John the Baptist, you know, they weren't really authorized to do all the things they did, obviously. Uh, Jesus did a great many things that they questioned. They said, by what authority are you doing these things? He's healing the sick. He's doing all this. He's doing stuff on the oh, Sabbath that they're not supposed to be doing. On the Sabbath. Dude, I freaking love that. Where he's like, where he make they bring a, think about the hypocrisy of those religious leaders. They bring a man who needs to be healed, knowing that Jesus is likely to heal him. And rather than they themselves repenting because the power of God is obviously being manifest in his ministry, Let's see if we can witness the power of God and use it as an accusation. Yeah. Uh, and this goes back to the prophet's question because, you know, big P, little P. I mean, when you look at the scriptures, the prophets traditionally are not the head of the people. Let, let me rag on Midnight Mormons a little bit. <laughs> Would they, in other words, they talk about big P, small P. We follow the big P. And, uh, and yet... They will squirm and hide when you point out the obvious satanic globalist policies of President Nelson and the rest yeah. of the leaders of the church. On that interview that you're referring to, I point out they have the same policies as Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and everybody else. They have, they have the same. Well, I'm not saying I like it. Who cares if you like it? Did it come from God or not? Did Big P get those instructions from Big G? <laughs> But, you know, the prophets came and they, what did they do? They, we think of ourselves as Latter-day Israel, right? That, that's, mm -hmm. We do. Okay. So the prophets came from outside the camp. They came from outside and they would preach repentance and they would call to repentance Israel. But if you're a big P and you're the head of the corporation, you would be calling yourself to repentance and you can't do that. So your job is to defend Israel against any such attacks against little peas <laughs> well, and, and it makes it so they'll give generalized vague statements i'm forgetting which chapter it is in jeremiah but jeremy in one of the chapters 
Jeremiah is in the temple, and somebody who's one of the high priests in the temple prophesies in the name of the Lord mm-hmm. that within two years the kingdom will be restored and all the land which has been taken will be given back. And he says it in the name of the Lord, and Jeremiah even says, amen. And he's like, that's a, that's a great prophecy. That's, that's God blessing. And that night the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, that was false. Jeremiah, mm-hmm. write this down. You take it to the temple. You say it out loud. Not only will they not be restored, but bam, lay the smack down. And so, and I, when I try, when I was first interpreting, well, what does that mean? I think Jeremiah loved the men that he was serving with Mm -hmm. and wanted to give his support for when somebody claimed that blessings were being promised by the Lord. But he was in tune enough that the Lord could give the correction and say, that was a false prophecy. I've declared they will be destroyed because they have not turned their hearts to me. Hmm. Well, here we are. It's It's 2023. There's obviously God is his hand is at work. I, I see it everywhere. I couldn't get away from eleven eleven for the longest time, and I'm not a numerologist. I don't like people. You're not, you know what? I've heard people uh, bring up the numerology. I, I don't. I don't consciously witness it, but I know that the Lord works with uh, numbers and patterns with people. Oh, in the scriptures there are. I mean, I acknowledge that. I just usually people who really focus on that are they get a little weird, and they just. Sometimes I find some if of it questionable. It, you will see it. Yeah. I, I tend to stay away from it because I've had some bad experiences with the way, way it's been used. But, man, I could not get away from 11.11. It still will not go away. And, in fact, i got to do a whole video on it now. But 11.11, the first time I was like, it was driving me insane. I was refusing to look into it because I don't like to do to work that way. But the Lord will work however he wants to work. And I finally said, what is going on with 11.11? Every time I look at the clock, it's 11.11. And... Finally, he just said, look in Isaiah. So Isaiah eleven eleven, I will set my hand a second time to recover my people. Is that what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're watching the precursors of it right now to where there are those going through the waking up process. They're hearing the voice of the Lord. They're taken through the discomfort of learning their false traditions, yeah. and they're being told what it means to offer their heart to the Lord. There's going to be others who make their repentance when the heavy bondage sets in. And and I believe it's during that heavy bondage that the Lord's going to have actual servants, apostles like the, the kind described in, in Doctrine and Covenants section mm-hmm. one, as well as in the book of Acts, where they'll be sent on rescue missions yeah. uh, to rescue out the people. And the Book of Mormon has plenty of patterns of that. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the Book of Mosiah once again to where there was a group of people brought into bondage but they were rescued first because of their faithfulness. So, is this also in the Book of Mormon where it says, you know, blessed if you were compelled yeah. to come under oh, Christ, yeah. but more blessed if you're not compelled. And so right now we have the opportunity to not have to be compelled. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. It is. Uh, <laughs> right now, It's it, there's food, generally speaking. There's plenty of food at the grocery stores. There's gas at the gas pumps. Um, things are getting more difficult financially. Um, across the entire nation and across the world, but we're relatively stable. My family has been wonderfully blessed during this time. We're not compelled to be humble. Now's the time to be humble because of Amen. our own volition. Amen. What, what guidance or counsel would you give to someone who's just now tuning in for the first time? They're listening to this. Maybe they haven't even seen any of your videos. Maybe they haven't seen any of mine. They are in 
an institutional church. Maybe they're in the LDS or community of Christ or whatever. And they've got questions. And yeah. out, YouTube's algorithm has mysteriously <laughs> put this recommended video up and they start watching it. I, I would say, you asked your question. I was about to start no, jumping up. That, that's it. I, first, first and foremost, full submission with sincerity, no matter what yeah. level you're at. Because here's, here's something that the Lord can and will work with. Heavenly Father, I've heard these ideas, and I think that these people are being too harsh on the organization. The organization does so much good work. Present that sincerely, but present it being open to correction. Heavenly Father, I believe that the institution that I'm a part of really is recognized as your church. Is that true? And let it work. See what happens with it. Well, Heavenly Father, what would you have me do? It has to be some form of full submission to God. Jesus yes. Christ gave the, gave the ultimate example to where, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, yours, Father, be done. Mm. We have to make that same full submission at whatever level we're at, being willing to get rid of false traditions. Even though yourself and myself might be effective in helping to point out some of the false traditions, nobody can make submission to God on behalf of anybody else. We, we have to do that each personally. So make that full submission to God, even if you believe that something's wrong, as long as you're sincerely doing it, the Lord knows how to take you through the waking up process. And depending on, upon our level of hardness, that will be commensurate with the, uh, the violent shaking to wake us up. Amen. Well, <clears throat> is there any uh, testimony or uh, something you would bear witness to that is just on your mind that we haven't gotten out yet today that you really wanted to lay out? Not, a, not anything other than that. I, I feel like we've discussed and it's been a part of the Lord's doing his work. It's awesome. It's exciting. Yeah. And, and accept, I would encourage everybody to accept the invitation to be a part of that victory. It feels like a celebration, and I'm convinced it will continue to feel like a celebration even in the midst of the hardships and the struggles. Can I share a quick flash that I had? Yeah. yeah. This, is a, this is about 2019, 2018 or 2019. I'm knocking on doors for Babylon on, my, on behalf of a big corporation doing sales, and I saw one of President Uchtdorf's homes. He's one of the, uh, used to be a member of the first presidency of the church. Okay. Um, it's a beautiful home in North Salt Lake, bountiful area in Utah. And and it's only one of his homes. He has multiple ones. And 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 I was reading my scriptures at night. I'm on my bed at night. It's already dark outside. And I'm thinking about seeing his home earlier that day. And I'm saying to myself, well, I, Heavenly Father, I know that these men are usually pretty well off financially before they get called into full-time service at the work, but... If you, if you call me to your work, I'm willing to go through much more humble circumstances. Now, I was giving a flash, and it happened in an instant. It takes about 60 seconds for me to explain what I saw. Here's, when I presented that to my Heavenly Father that I'm willing to go through more humble circumstances, I heard a loving laugh saying, <laughs> Oh, don't worry. It'll be more humble. And I was shown myself with a missionary companion, and it was at nighttime in pouring rain, and we were running from a home to escape capture. Hmm. And I grabbed my missionary companion and we jumped into a ditch with some tree branch cover. And I could see in that flash, I could see my companion's face worried like, 
it's going to happen now. And I could see my own face grinning ear to ear, saying to myself, <laughs> now this is a mission. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm grateful that my Heavenly Father has helped me like, be mentally and spiritually prepared for that kind of hardship. But it is, it is worth it to, to turn your heart to God right now. Mm. It is worth it. Everything that it takes for you to change your life, to give it up. And, yes. and no matter how many times it takes, where, where it'll regularly be like, Heavenly Father, I was feeling desire to make full submission. I promised you I wouldn't do this anymore. And it seemed like four hours later, I'm caught in the same trouble. Take it to him every single time. Because here's the celebration that happens. The prodigal son that's taught in the parable of Jesus. To where an ashamed son, maybe I could just live, maybe I could just live and eat what the, uh, what the pigs eat at my dad's place. He's got enough for his servants there. And as soon as he came back, the dad celebrated, celebrated. So no matter how many times it takes, because you'll be taken through the process to where the Lord does his job to purify you, to sanctify you, to make it so yeah. the sins that so easily beset you, they get taken care of as long as you always present it right then and there. It's me. I'm dirty again, but I want to make submission now. He'll take yeah. you through it. We cannot clean ourselves up. We can't fix ourselves. If you're waiting to, to get better before you come to him, good luck. It's not, <laughs> not going to work. There's only one way to come home, and that is to come home. Yes. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Jacob. Thank um, you, Doug. This is awesome. Dougie. Who, your sister was calling you Dougie? Dougie. Doug. Douglas. Dougie Fresh. We, we got to find like a few more syllables dead in there. <laughs> Duggenheimer. Uh, make sure you check out if you haven't already uh jacob's channel um disciple of christ it's at i'll put a link in the in the video here but at disciple of christ uh 8906 if you put at uh, after the youtube.com slash if you just type in disciple of christ it tends to be one of the first ones that pop up it is actually it, it comes up pretty good so yeah they can find that um i appreciate it um and i think we have we're going to get together one more time is that right yeah and we're going to talk about whatever crazy stuff we decide we're going to talk about, I guess. The, the missionary efforts on Jupiter. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, brother. You have a great day. My pleasure. Thank you, Douglas.